0: You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. You know, church, there's no doubt about it. The year 2020 has been a year for the books, yes? Would you all agree with that? In fact, uh, you might say that this past year has been a living illustration of Murphy's Law, right? Whatever can go wrong will go wrong. I mean, there's been the coronavirus, of course, earthquakes, wildfires, untimely deaths, rioting, protesting, political division, murder hornets. Whatever happened to the murder hornets, by the way? We were supposed to get infiltrated by them. And the list goes on and on. I mean, let's face it, 2020 has been a dark year. And to make things worse, we're only halfway there living on a prayer. We still have a very contentious election season coming our way. And on top of that, the day before election day, an asteroid is heading toward Earth. Did you guys know that? An asteroid is heading towards Earth the day before election day. You heard me right, an asteroid. It's like that movie Armageddon. We're going to need to send them up and have them land on the, on the asteroid. Um, actually not, you don't need to fear anything about the asteroid. NASA said that the chance of it hitting us is 0. .41%. But still, it makes sense for an asteroid to be heading toward Earth because after all it is 2020, right? But friends, as I started thinking about this impending asteroid passing by the Earth, it got me just, to, and how dark this year has been, it got me thinking just about the stars in the sky, because after all, that's what an asteroid is, it's basically a star that lost its way. Um, and I started thinking, you know, stars always shine. There's never a time when they're not illuminating light, unless, of course, they die out. Yet even during the daytime, we can't see it, but the stars still shine brightly even during the day. We just can't see them shine until we're overcome by darkness. And you know, the same is true with the Christian life. You know, we are called to shine with unhindered light, especially when darkness overtakes us. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 5.8, he said, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Church, walking in the light should be the disposition of any person or church body who claims to follow Jesus. When darkness sets in, it's then where our brightness should shine even more brightly. D.L. Moody said this, he said, We are told to let our light shine, and if it does, we won't need anybody to tell us that it does. Lighthouses don't fire cannons to call attention to their shining, they just Shine. Now, Scripture provides many ways for the church to shine its light. But there's probably none more powerful than the one that's highlighted in today's study. Especially given the current state of our country. I'm talking about love. Love. Specifically love for one another, like the church loving one another. That's what we're talking about. 1 John 2.10 says this, he says, Whoever loves his brother abides, what? In the light. And in him there is no cause for stumbling. This morning as we continue our study in 1 Peter, we're going to find Peter reminding his readers of the importance of loving one another during times of darkness. And in doing so, he's going to remind us of an important, and I believe vital, vital truth to remember for the times that we're living in today, and it's this. Shining lights in our world begins by showing love within our walls. And so if you will, turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. It's page 1014 in your Pew Bible, if you don't have your own copy of God's Word with you today. And as you're turning there, I'm just going to pray one more time before we open up God's uh, Word together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for the opportunity, the privilege, Lord, to open up your word this morning and lead our church through 1 Peter. And Lord, in and of myself, I don't deserve this, and I don't deserve to be, uh, be even in this role, God, but you and your sovereignty are allowing this this morning. And so, God, I pray that I would not get in the way of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that I would not quench your Holy Spirit's work, as we enter into your word this morning. God, I pray that that we would all be convicted and and taught well by your spirit today, and that we would leave here closer to your son, Jesus, than when we arrived. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we, we jump into today's passage, I just want to remind you of the situation on the ground when this letter was written. Remember, Peter was writing to the scattered church, many of whom were far from home. They were distressed. They were going through uh, persecution and trials of various kinds. Under the rule of Nero, the church was beginning to feel the pains of this persecution. In some instances, those within the church were actually running for their lives. And so faced with such dire circumstances, naturally God's people were discouraged. That's what happens when we go through dire circumstances. We get discouraged. And as we all know, when situations in life get dreadful, we tend to get drastic, don't we? When stress is heightened, instead of showing empathy toward one another, we're prone to turn on one another. That's just what we do. We're good at it. And so in today's passage, Peter is going to encourage the church to avoid this temptation. Let's begin by reading the whole text, and then we're going to break it down. It's 1 Peter 1, starting in verse 22 to 25. Peter wrote this, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower fails, but the word, or falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word, which is the good news that was preached to you. You know, there was this little girl, and she had asked her mom. She said, Mom, where do humans come from? And her mom answered, Well, God made Adam and Eve, and they had children, and that's who we all descend from. A few days later, the little girl asked her dad the same question, and her dad answered, Well, many years ago there were monkeys from which people evolved. And so the confused girl returned to her mother and said, Mom, how is it possible that you told me people were created by God, and Dad said that people evolved from monkeys? And her mom answered, Well, dear, it's very simple. I told you about my side of the family, and your father told you about his. (laughs) You know, friends, division is often sowed with the people that we're closest to, our family. And the same is true with the church family. In today's passage, Peter reveals the primary way for the church to combat division by giving three points concerning love for one another. Let's begin by looking at the first. It's the mandate to love. The mandate to love, verse 22. He says, "'Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart.'" Love one another. Church, I'm going I'm to pause for a second, and by pause I mean keep going, but I want to give you some real talk, Okay? I give you some real talk today? Hard truth. This past week, I came across an article written by Pastor Kerry Neowulf. Wolf. Uh, He's got a weird last name. I apologize. But it was entitled When Christians Lose Their Minds, People Lose Their Faith. Now, I hate to say it, but it is true. Over the last six months, many Christians have gone absolutely bonkers, lost their minds. Concerning social media alone, uh, Kerry Nuoff notes, he says, I wish I can tell you that Christians were the healing part of my newsfeed. But that's not the case. Christians have been sucked into the nastiness and division and partisanship along with everyone else. Often Christians aren't providing an alternative to the anger and outrage online, they're fueling it. He goes on, he said, Christians should be fueling the solution, not fueling the problem. In a season where the church should be gaining ground, by many measures, we're losing. And to make matters worse, the nastiness, the division, and the partisanship outside of the church has crept its way inside the church. And as a result, there are many faithful, listen, there are many faithful pastors that are on the verge of quitting. Many faithful. In fact, Tom Rayner, founder and CEO of Church Answers, he recently posted this. He said, please hear me clearly. He said, "The vast majority of pastors with whom our team communicates are saying that they are considering quitting their churches. It is a trend I have not seen in my lifetime." Like Tom Rainer is a big deal; he's been around for quite a while. He speaks to a lot of pastors. And see, church—the sobering forecast for this coming year is that more pastors are going to leave the ministry than any year before. Now we can sit and judge those pastors, and we can kind of figure out the reason why. What got them to that place? And there's probably many reasons for this uh, terrible trend, but ultimately they all stem from one common denominator. It's it's an intense lack of love, especially in the post-quarantine church. From the moment many churches reopened their doors, there's been political infighting, there's been intensified criticism, there's been lack of unity, and there's been a thousand strong opinions on how to handle this thing. And instead of making God look good, there, there are many churches that are making God look ghastly in the process. Now, I praise God that for the most part, our church has not dealt with that kind of level of divisiveness that many other like-minded churches are experiencing. And I speak to a lot of pastors. It's not pretty out there. So I praise God that it's not happening here to a large scale. However, I just can you allow me the grace to be frank? We all just need to take a deep breath and chill out. Like, right? Like, we have to chill out. Because you know why? Satan is working overtime in the church right now. He is working overtime. He's trying to make the church divided in a time where a very divided world needs a united church. If there was ever a time for us to rise above the fray, it's now. In the New Testament, there's two Greek words used predominantly, or predominantly used to describe love. Peter uses both in verse verse 22. Uh, The first is referring to brotherly love in that first portion, but the second is agape. Which is, the, which is sacrificial love. And, and agape is the word most often used in Scripture to describe the type of love that comes from God. And this is the type of love that Peter was really emphasizing. He says, love one another. That's what he means, agape love one another. Jesus emphasized agape this way. He said in John 13, 34, and 35, he said, a new commandment I give to you, that you what? Love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to Love one another. By this, all, all, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And that's agape love. And then Paul emphasized agape in Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. He says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, Grace, we are a family. Yes? Yes? church family. And just like any family, when stress gets elevated, and let's face it, we've all been dealing with stress lately, we're prone to squabble. That's what families do. We're really good at it. However, God in his sovereignty knew that this was our natural disposition, hence why he gave us these directives in his word. They're all over the place. It's not just one verse to love one another. It's all throughout the New Testament. Why? We need to be reminded of this important truth. Now, you might sit there and ask, well, how is it possible? How is it possible to show this type of love to one another when we all come from different backgrounds, with different ideas, different opinions, and different viewpoints? I mean, at first glance, it seems impossible, doesn't it? But church, it's actually much more doable than you might think. But to make it work, it takes all hands on deck. It's like being on a ship together. Everyone's got to put in their part if you're going through a storm. A.W. Tozer said it this way, okay? He said, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord being tuned, but listen to this, they're not tuned to each other, they're tuned to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers, okay, like us, meeting together, each one looking away to Christ are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be if we just all said, Hey, let's become unity conscious and turn our eyes away from God and strive for closer fellowship. See, in other words, church, when we come together, we need to be individually tuned to a standard that's higher than our own. When we choose to tune ourselves to Jesus, His will, His ways, His viewpoints, when we all make that individual choice to tune to Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are able to love one another like Jesus. If you're with me, say I'm with you. I often wonder what would... Thank you, little girl. All right. I often wonder what would happen if you didn't say, you know, I'm with you. I'm like, oh, man, I got to go back and redo this whole thing, so... But anyway, I'm glad you're with me. This leads to the second point um, concerning love for one another, the manner to love. That was so cute, that little girl. All right, so cute. The manner to love. Look at verse 22 again. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another, what? Earnestly from a pure heart. Church, when I was in high school, I went on a few dates with a girl who was in drama club with me. Yeah, I was in drama club, and I rocked it. Our relationship started off fine enough until I began to realize that some of the most important things to me meant very little to her. The deal breaker was that I loved local, old Forge style pizza. She loved Pizza Hut and Domino's. And look it. I don't mind Pizza Hut and Domino's. I will eat that pizza. But in the grand scheme of things, they are the fast food of pizza. Nothing better, nothing worse. And I needed a girl who enjoyed Valley Pizza because that's what I was raised on. Now church you can you can sit there and judge me as much as you want. I tried really hard to manufacture a liking toward her but I'm thinking man if this thing goes somewhere and we end up getting hitched I got to eat pizza hut the rest of my life and and I can't do that. And so it didn't work out I broke up with her. And that's the reason why. But In some ways, it did work out, because I met a beautiful woman named Carrie, who's now my wife, and she enjoys a good slice of Valley pizza, so boom. But Church, Church, when it comes to showing love to one another, similar to my relationship with this girl in high school, agape love cannot be manufactured. You can't fake it. Warren Wearsby said, It is tragic when people try to manufacture love, because the product is obviously cheap and artificial. The love that we share with each other and with a lost world must be generated by the spirit of God. It is a constant power in our lives. It's not something that we can just turn on and off like a radio. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 1:5, excuse me. He said the purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that what comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a genuine faith. So when Peter said love one another, earnestly from a pure heart, the word earnestly or sincerely, your your Bible might say sincerely, is this psychological term meaning to stretch to the furthest limit of a muscle's capacity. In other words, you are going all in with loving one another. This, of course, begs the question, how do we get to a place of going all in or all out? Loving one another in a way that's genuine, pure, and unmanufactured. Well, church, it begins by recognizing that agape love is an act of will. It's not an act of emotions. We are very emotional people, aren't we? Everything is based on emotion. We wake up in the morning. If we don't feel like doing the day, then that affects our whole day. If we wake up in the morning and we're dancing and singing in our kitchen, most likely throughout the course of the day, we're going to be dancing and singing. It's all how we're feeling in the moment. That's not agape love. It's the type of love that doesn't base its affection off of feelings. Instead, it's propelled by faith. You know, in my alone time with God last week, I came across a passage in the Gospel of Luke that I believe illustrates agape love quite vividly. Uh, Listen to the words of Jesus in Luke 6. It might be on the screen. I think it is. Luke 6, 27, 28, and then verse 35. Jesus said, But I say to you who hear, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. Now, church, I don't know about you, but I don't feel affection toward my enemies. I don't feel affection towards them. In fact, if I acted in how I felt toward my enemies, I'd end up in prison. We all would. See, agape love calls us to rise above our feelings. Discipline ourselves to rise above our feelings and act in faith. When we do, Jesus says that our reward will be great. And I believe the reward isn't just for heaven. I believe it's felt here on earth. Because, you know, there's been times, several times that I've had another brother or sister in Christ just get under my skin due to a disagreement, a different viewpoint, or just being different altogether. And while I wouldn't go as far as to call them my enemy, there's definitely been times where it felt like they were my enemy. But let me tell you, in every instance when I set my personal feelings aside and I began praying for them and doing good to them, God began to change my hearts and my relationship with them. And I believe therein lies the reward. You see, when we willfully obey God, we will experience the fruits of his faithfulness. But again, agape love doesn't come naturally. Therefore, to love one another earnestly from a pure heart, we must be sensitive and submissive to the Holy Spirit's work in our life because he, is, he alone is the source of agape love. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 5. God's love has been poured into your hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so what does that mean? It means every day, waking up and multiple times during the day, going before God and saying, Lord, help me to love like Jesus today. Help me to be sensitive to your spirit, Lord. Help me to love the unlovable. Lord, in my own church family, help me, Lord, to be a source of love. It's not just like this one-and-done decision where you're going to say, okay, I'm just going to choose to love people and whatever. No, it's a daily thing to be sensitive to God's spirit. And this leads us to the last point concerning love for one another. The motivation to love. The motivation. Look at verse 23. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. You know, church, I have three kids, which means I have three different birth experiences. And by I, I mean Carrie has three different birth experiences. I was just in the room when they unfolded. But nevertheless, in the human family, there's a variety of different birth experiences. But in the family of God, there's only one. Adoption. Adoption. Ephesians 1.5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family, bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great success pleasure. Church, listen, the moment when we placed our faith in Jesus, we became adopted children of the living God. We all enjoy the same heavenly Father and have been given the gift of eternal life. We are bonded as brothers and sisters in Christ. And for this reason alone, with a heart of gratitude, we should strive to show his love to one another, Right? But there's another reason. Peter says that the same word that caused us to be born again, in other words, the gospel, he's referring to the gospel, is living and enduring. It has the power to change lives because it itself, its message is alive. And so he reinforced this truth by quoting the prophet Isaiah in verses 24 and 25 here in the passage. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower of falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Just keeps going and going. Energizer, energizer buddy, right? And then he says, and this word is the good news that was preached to you. Trying to encourage the church. Friends, the the living, loving, life-changing message of the gospel that was at one time preached to you and me must be preached to the world. now, More than ever before, yes? But listen, it's preaching is going to fall on deaf ears if we're failing to love one another. Hey, let me tell you about the love of Jesus, but just don't come to my church because we all hate each other. I'm not accusing you of hating one another. I'm just saying in general, right? If the church is not loving each other, how can we spread the loving, living, life-changing message of the gospel? It's going to fall on deaf ears. Christian apologist Bobby Conway wrote, he said, there are five Gospels. Five, did you know that? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the Christian. But most people will never read the first four. You see, church, make no mistake about it. Perhaps now more than ever before, the world is watching us. And my fear is that instead of seeing the beauty of the gospel displayed, the world is seeing a church divided over the coronavirus or over the upcoming election or some other silly thing that in the end has no eternal value or significance. Grace, we must be better than that. There are countless souls that depend on us being better than that. Because if we're not, who is? I mean, think about it. If we're the purveyors of good news, if we're the ones that are to carry the light into the world, if that is our calling, if we don't, who will? We're just going to be like that star that just fades out and dies. And everyone's left in darkness together. You know, I can't get past the the powerful prayer of Jesus in John 17 21. He's praying for his disciples. He's praying for those that will be believers. He was praying for you and I in this prayer. And he says, I pray that they will all be one, Lord, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us. Why? Read this with me. So that the world will believe you sent me. Church, Our love for one another, and our unity in Christ, is our greatest witness to the world. God literally uses it to draw unbelievers to Himself. Doesn't mean He can't have opinions. Doesn't mean He can't have political viewpoints. Doesn't mean all that stuff. We all we all have our own thoughts. Fine, but at the end of the day, when the church comes together, we have to rise above the fray. We have to be better. Because the world will believe when they see a bunch of people from different backgrounds and ethnicities and political viewpoints and you name it. When, when the world sees all of us come together and, and able to, to love one another and worship the same God, they're going to be like, what in the world is going on? What is going on over there? Because you know what? You guys, you guys and I both know this. You can't have a disagreement with anybody in the world today, can you? Without being a hater. We're losing a friendship or a family member over something silly. The church needs to be better. We need to show the world, hey, you know what? Every tribe, nation, and tongue can come together and love one another and worship Jesus. That's the power of love. And if you agree this type of love is worth pursuing, say, I agree. 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 Thank you. I do too. And this leads us back to today's truth to remember. Shining light in our world Begins by showing love within our walls. And so as we wrap things up this morning, I just want to really just have a call to repentance. I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not basic. This message was not developed because I saw, I saw that there were all these problems going on in our church. It was just happened to be the next few verses in Peter that I was called to preach on today. So I'm not here to pick on anybody, but I'm just, I want you to consider something. All right, this is just you and God Take a moment to just ask the Lord, ask his Holy Spirit, like, Lord, are there areas where I'm just failing in this love thing? Love within the church first and then love outside of the church. God, God I want to show light uh, when I'm here and when I'm with my people and I want to show light when I'm with people that need to come to know you as Savior. Lord, if there's any area, reveal that to me and, and then be humble enough to repent of that area and, and leave here kind of refreshed and renewed with a, with a fresh restart. I want to give you that opportunity. And as you do, I'm going to invite the praise team uh, to come forward. We're going to close with singing a, a simple hymn of the faith, Be Exalted. We haven't sung it in a while. But the whole, the whole crux of the song is very simple. We're asking God to be exalted. Um, and more specifically, the prayer is through our own lives. So let me just pray over you and give you an opportunity to ask the Lord to, to do work in your own heart. And, and then we'll close with song. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for First Peter. It's so timely for the world that we're living in today. Lord, the power of love is, is evident. And God, I just pray, I, I pray for the whole church, not just Grace Bible, but just the church, your people spread across our great land. Lord, I pray that we would rise above the fray and love one another in a time where the world desperately needs love. They need to see your love. Let it start with your people. And God, I do think of our own people here today, God, and myself included. God, if there are areas in our, in our lives that we just need to clean up because we just know we're not loving the way we should, and perhaps we're grieving you by, by our actions, God, I pray that you would reveal those things to our hearts this morning. Convict us, Lord Jesus. And we are so thankful that your word says, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we ask uh, ask you to cleanse us this morning. And finally, Lord, I pray that you would be exalted in my life and in the life of all those that are in this room. God, be exalted. May the world... know that we are Christians by our love. And I ask this humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.